When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. One more NFL team chose their next head coach today, and no, it was not the Seattle Seahawks. It was the Tennessee Titans hiring Brian Callahan, not a candidate that the Seahawks were interested in. But with news coming out over the weekend that the Seahawks have lined up at least five more second interviews, or at least put in requests for them, what does it tell us about their search and how does it impact my top five. I gave you my initial one after Pete Carroll was relieved of his duties a week and a half ago. I will update my top five favorite coaching candidates for the Seahawks, tell you why I feel that way up next today on Seahawks Forever. Welcome to the Seahawks Forever podcast, in-depth analysis on everything Seahawks. And now here's your host, Dan Viennes. Before we get started, do all the things. Hit that like button and the bell button on YouTube so you get notification of new episodes. And of course, subscribe to the channel if you would, please. If you prefer audio episodes, you can subscribe on any podcast platform. And you can listen on Spotify without ads for just 99 cents a month. That subscription link is in uh, the Uh, That link is in the description of this video on YouTube. And if you just want to support the show, you like what I do, you can buy me a coffee or a beer. That link will be down there as well. We have uh, breaking news of sorts in the NFL today. One more head coaching position has been filled. Um, Brian Callahan, the offensive coordinator with Cincinnati Bengals, who was not really on the public radar or um, really even the media's radar when the coaching cycle started this offseason. But he got a number of interviews, and the Titans decided to go with him, um, no doubt for the, for the work that he did with Joe Burrow in uh, Cincinnati. They like what he did there. And with a young quarterback in place there in Will Levis, they were certainly looking for someone to come along and groom him as well. So Brian Callahan joins Antonio Pierce and Jared Gerard Mayo in Vegas and New England as uh, head coaches all first time head coaches, a definite trend so far in those first three jobs. Is that the way the Seahawks will go? It's a way a lot of you want them to go. We love the allure of the unknown, don't we? And stick around till the end because I'm going to touch on, I'm going to touch on the idea that resume doesn't always equate to how good a head coach is going to be. Um, just for a quick teaser, of the four teams left in the conference championship games, the final four in the NFL that have a shot at the Super Bowl, still three of those head coaches did not, uh, never had any experience as a primary play caller. Interesting, right? 
And there are some uh, some candidates that fit that bill here. And uh, and so I just want to kind of dispel some of the concerns, potentially, that one equates to the other. Uh, because thoughts and, and opinions are all over the board out there among fans. I see it on social media every day. Some of you are absolutely convinced that you know who the next head coach should be and shouldn't be. That you know. And I've seen it all over the board. Some of you are convinced Dan Quinn, they should go with Dan Quinn and stick with that culture. That he'd be a a, a good CEO type leader in that locker room. A leader of men. KJ Wright has endorsed him. A lot of ex-players have. And then there are those of you that look at, at the way that Cowboys defense finished the season and think he'd be a terrible choice. Some of you have very, very strong feelings about some of these young, green candidates that really don't have a lot of experience in a leadership position. Bobby Slowick's an example. Only one year as a play caller. None of you knew who he was until this year. And yet some of you have told me in no uncertain terms that you know that he has to be the hire. Otherwise, John Schneider has screwed this whole thing up. And then there's a lot of gray area in between. And as I study this and try to read the tea leaves and connect the dots, my opinions have changed a little bit on some of these guys. And I'm going to show that to you uh, today. Uh, There are five job openings left. Atlanta, Washington, Carolina, the LA Chargers, and Seattle. Three of those five have been heavily reported as strongly leaning towards one candidate. In Atlanta, we know that Bill Belichick has had two interviews. We have heard that Arthur Blank wants him in no uncertain terms to be their next head coach. He hasn't really been that attached to any other jobs. There's been some reporting that Belichick wants that job. And yet (laughs) the Falcons have interviewed and continue to interview They've submitted the most requests of any team out there, 15. And they still are doing second interviews with other candidates, despite Belichick having already completed his second interview. Not sure what's going on there. Similar situation in LA, where Jim Harbaugh has, from the very beginning of this process, been the favorite to go to LA. He is on the record as saying years ago how much he loves uh, Justin Herbert. And would like to work with him. He has done two interviews there. There have been reports that that's the job he wants. They want him. And yet they continue to interview other candidates when he's not bound. There's Bill Belichick as someone who's been fired. These guys aren't bound by some of the restrictions on when you can interview candidates because they're not under contract with other NFL teams. They could be hired today as Brian Callahan was. Interesting situations there. And then the commanders, much to most of your chagrin from what I base your opinions to be on social media, um, have been tied to Ben Johnson from the very beginning of this process as well, the Detroit Lions offensive coordinator. And they've submitted the least amount of requests for coaching interviews, which would lead 
to even more speculation that they've zeroed in on, on Johnson, that Adam Peters, really the new GM there, comes from the San Francisco Giants or the uh, San Francisco 49ers. Um, it's not baseball season yet. Comes from their um, organization, uh, highly thought of, highly respected, new ownership group there that people are raving about. And um, there are some that assume that that it's just a matter of time, that Ben Johnson is going to Washington. Um, and then there's the Panthers who there's a lot of assumptions that nobody wants to work for them. They were really interested in Brian Callahan, but he chose to take the Titans job. I wonder if that tells you what he thinks of the two quarterbacks there, that maybe it's not just David Tepper that is scaring candidates off in Carolina. It's uh, as they have, predominantly interviewed mostly offensive or more offensive coordinators than defensive coordinators there. Maybe they're not huge fans of Bryce Young. But anyway, the, the Panthers with Callahan out, um, they have requested second interviews with two candidates on the Seahawks list for second interviews. Ajiro Aviro and Raheem Morris. So the Seahawks, where are they at? A lot of you have grown uh, frustrated with how long this is taking, and and I get it. <laughs> we want answers. We want to know who the head coach is because it's going to tell us a lot more. It's going to tell us, we'll start to learn who the staff is. What direction are they going to go on defense? What scheme are they going to run? What direction are they going to go on offense? Is it someone that might tip the organization's hand as to whether they want to target a young quarterback and start over at that position? a little bit, or at least groom somebody there. Is it a three, four guy? Is it a four, three guy? Is it, we just want to know, but this process is going to take some time. And, and, and the good news is everyone's bound by the same rules. You know, if the Seahawks really want Ben Johnson and, and based on the rules now, they could interview him a second time virtually next week if they win during the Super Bowl bye week. And if they lose, if they get eliminated, they could interview him then a second time, but in person. But it's hands off this week. Don't know yet if they've put in a request for a second interview with him or with Bobby Slowick. And then there's some some mystery surrounding uh, some names as well, right? When Tom Pelissero reported the five names that the Seahawks have asked um, to interview a second time. It was with the disclaimer that there will likely be more names added to that. That that wasn't a comprehensive list. It wasn't a final list. It might be, but it's possible that it's not also. Let me, um, let me show you, first of all, before I get into my updated list, let me show you what I did the first time. So here was my list initially. My favorite candidate, as many of you also agree, Ben Johnson. Just, it's not just what he's done with that offense in Detroit and, and how similar the personnel would seem to be. Seahawks need to plug a few pieces in on the offensive line to get anywhere near the level of the Detroit lines, but but there's some potential there, right? If Abe Lucas is healthy, you can you can make a case that center 
two tackles, pretty good shape, depending on how you feel about Oluwatimi at center. Uh, there's some potential there at guard with Anthony Bradford, uh, McClendon Curtis, the, a young guy that they carried on on the team all year long, even though he was never active. You know, there's some pieces there, but certainly that'll be something they go out and address in the offseason as well. But you look at the running backs the Seahawks have and the, the receivers and a guy like Geno Smith, and you compare him to, you look at what Ben Johnson's done with Jared Goff in Detroit and and then watch his demeanor. I've spent a lot of time this week watching coaching interviews to get a feel for this stuff. He just screams head coach. And he just seems like a guy that John Schneider would absolutely want. Uh, one thought about Johnson is this. If there isn't a second interview, it could mean one of two things. It could just mean that John Schneider and he didn't click. He just didn't feel like he had the vision that he was looking for in a head coach. But it also could be that he just doesn't get the sense that he's interested in taking the job here. John Schneider is tied in around the league with his ear to the ground as anyone. We see it on draft day. How many times has he traded down knowing that he could still get the guy that he wanted? Or we hear stories of, you know, the national media thinks that the Seahawks reached on a player, come to find out that other teams were looking at taking that player directly after the Seahawks. Uh, because he's just, he has a lot of connections. He has a lot of friendships in the league. He has a lot of trust built up, a lot of equity, and he's able to get that information. Let's go back to my first list. Mike Vrabel, number two on this list. I just think he's the closest thing out there to the Dan Campbell mold of really creating an attitude in that locker room and a mindset and a culture that that guys are going to play hard. Uh, Dan Quinn, I put it number three here. Concerns from a lot of you, me too, about how his defense is paired against better offenses this year, about what the 49ers did to him, about how they finished the season, about what the Packers did to him. But I think, I think it's fair. It's fair. You can make a case that he'd be a better head coach than some fans think he would be based on how he performed as a defensive coordinator. And still across the board, his last three years in Dallas is top 10 sometimes top five defense. How quickly we forget how bad the Seahawks defense is and how much better it might be if we had a little bit of what Dallas had going on this year, right? So here's my number three. I've always thought, you know, a month ago, I would have thought if you told me Pete Carroll was getting fired, I would have thought, Dan Quinn, that's going to be an easy choice. Not so sure now. Number four, Bobby Slowick. Texans bounced out of the playoffs, but that performance... um, against Cleveland, what he did with that offense, especially with explosive plays against that defense, was impressive. And just what he did all season long, um, how much he got out of C.J. Stroud as a rookie. I'm not sure about the demeanor. You know, you watch interviews with him. He's incredibly bright. You read stories about how he reacts to things during the game and adjusts during the game, bounces things off Stroud, notices little tiny details, things the defense is doing and, and figures out how to pick on that. Um, it'd be fun to see him operate an offense with a with a good running game. 
I mean, when Devin Singletary is really your only option at running back, I mean, Damian Pierce, don't know what happened to him this year, but give him a, a better offensive line and a dynamic running game. And that could be fun to watch. And then Mike McDonald, who has done such incredible things in the two years that he's coordinated the defense with the Baltimore Ravens. We saw it again this weekend. You know, they're just, they're really impressive and how he varies his game plan from week to week and adjusts during the game, disguises things, how hard those teams play and how well they tackle. Um, and yet he has yet to even interview with the Seahawks. And that's where some of the mystery comes into play. Vrabel and McDonald are interesting to me. Two very different cases. McDonald can't be hired right now. He has interviewed virtually for some other jobs. It was reported immediately. Like it, one of the first names to come out after Carroll was fired. There were reports that the Seahawks were interested in interviewing Mike McDonald. And we were just waiting. This is before any of the requests were reported when the Seahawks were still in that phase of where they had to post the job and, and work through some of that red tape. And yet here we are a week and a half later and nothing yet. No Mike McDonald. And because they didn't interview him by the deadline yesterday, they can't now. Not this week anyway. Does Mike McDonald not like the West Coast? I think he interviewed with the Chargers. He's interviewed with three teams, I believe. Is there some reason that he just doesn't think this is an attractive job? Is there something about him that Schneider doesn't like? Find it hard to believe. Guy seems to really conduct himself well in, in interviews. Players certainly play hard for him, respect him. He worked his way up through that one organization. That's what kind of is different about him. A lot of these other candidates have bounced around a lot. Not him. Seven years with the Ravens, worked his way up, got his shot as DC after Wink Martindale was fired and has made the most of it. Don't know what's up there. I don't know what's up. Um, it, it could just be that Schneider doesn't feel like he has to hurry because he thinks the Ravens are going to go to the Super Bowl and so are the rest of us. He doesn't have to make that decision today. He also might be surveying the lay of the land as I just did. When you start to play process of elimination, if Belichick goes to Atlanta, Harbaugh goes to LA, the commanders hire Ben Johnson, that leaves the Seahawks and the Panthers for all the other candidates. Who are you going to work for? David Tepper? With how, how much he gets his hands in on things and how impatient he is and you know, that just sounds like a shit show down there in Carolina. So it, it basically, it's it's possible that, sh that that's what Schneider's, that's where his head is at. We don't have to hurry. It's us against Carolina. And nobody knows that organization better from the outside or has an ear to the ground on what's going on there potentially than John Schneider because Scott Fitter Worked for him for years before he got the GM job there. One of his closest friends in, in the business fired there last month as GM. Hey, John, no one, no one wants to work there. <laughs> Nobody wants to coach in Carolina. Very, very interesting uh, way to look at it. 
it's quite possible at the end of the day that Mike McDonald's the guy that John Schneider really wants. And he's slow playing this because he knows he can. We also know that they can talk to agents. Maybe there's been an indication there. Hey, just, you know, he's going to go through some motions. He's going to take a couple of Zoom interviews. But let's not get too deep into this until it's all done. It's possible. The only reason he's five or was five on my initial list and not higher was because there had been no request for an interview. But if I find out tomorrow that he's, that he's interested in the job, he shoots up this list, maybe all the way to number one, because I just don't, as much as we all want Ben Johnson, uh, I think he's gone. I think he's going to Washington. Still my number one guy, just because I think he'd be the best fit, but you can't make someone want to coach for you. So here's my update based on all that stuff I just talked about. Slightly different. Ben Johnson's still my number one guy because I think if if he's if he's announced as a head coach tomorrow, which obviously can't happen, but just hypothetically, I think I think Seahawk fans almost to a person are cheering because of what they know about Ben Johnson, what they see in the performance of his offenses on the field with the Detroit Lions. Number two, I cheated a little bit. And again, this is, <laughs> I went, this is who I would want, not who I think is going to get the job. Talk about that in another episode. You're getting two for one today. It's Vrabel and McDonald. I just think those guys make a lot of sense for different reasons. Vrabel, to me, it's more about personality and his ability to manage a staff. As a guy who's a former coordinator and worked his way up through the coaching ranks, linebacker coach and then coordinator, he's pretty hands-off. He lets coordinators do their thing, and he's had some pretty good success identifying guys, putting guys in position to succeed and allowing them to do that. I just like his attitude. Man, you know, Google Mike Vrabel or, or YouTube Mike Vrabel, it sucks to lose, and see the little rant he went on the last week of the season when someone had the audacity to ask him, you know, what's your motivation for trying to win this game when the season's over? You don't have a shot at the playoffs. <laughs> it's awesome. It's everything. It's the way you want your head coach to react. And then McDonald for his performance with the Ravens. But I should have put an asterisk on that because neither of those guys have been interviewed. Vrabel's the other mystery. There was some momentum four or five days ago where every significant national NFL reporter was trying to make connections. Peter King and Albert Breer, and Rich Eisen and Palacero, all these guys. Vrabel, Florio. Vrabel to Seattle makes so much sense. I mean, Peter King in back-to-back -back days went on the Dan Patrick show and the Mike Florio show and said, I don't understand why he hasn't interviewed there yet. But here's the thing. Maybe he has. We know the Seahawks like to keep things close to the vest. They're better at... Most organizations are keeping things quiet. Mike Vrabel's not under contract with anyone. Doesn't have to be requested. He could have already interviewed with the Seahawks and we wouldn't even know it. Number three, Mike Kafka is my late riser. Let me talk about Kafka for a minute. Offensive coordinator with the New York Giants. And you might think, oh man, really? This last year? Really? Here's the thing about Mike Kafka. 
when you look at his, the entirety of his background, let's work backwards. This year, the Giants are ravaged by injury. Saquon Barkley missed a couple of games again, and when he came back, you know, that high ankle sprain, he wasn't himself. Took a while to get back to 100%. Uh, I don't think their wide receiver group there is anything to really get excited about. Um, and then he starts the season with Daniel Jones. He gets hurt, misses the whole season. They go with Tommy DeVito, Tyrod Taylor. So they finish 18th in yards per game. Uh, I'm sorry, it, this year, um, they just weren't good. But in 2022, there were some things that you could kind of pin your hat on a little bit. 2022, they were middle of the pack, 18th in yards per game, but they were fourth in rushing yards per game. They ran the football well with Saquon, big year for him. They were 16th in the league, right in the middle in points per game, but they were ninth in EPA per play, both running and passing. Top 10 offense in expected points um, per play, both run and pass. better than maybe you think they are and got a got a good enough year out of Daniel Jones that the Giants didn't look for other quarterback options and gave him $40 million a year. But this is what I look at. Remember before that, he came up under Andy Reid in Kansas City. And in 2020, Eric Bieniemy was still there with the offensive coordinator title. But Kafka was quarterback coach and uh, passing game coordinator. 2020, obviously, Kansas City Chiefs, number one passing offense in the league. 2021, the number four passing offense in the league. And back then, the rules were a little bit uh, looser. Teams could be a little more aggressive in blocking other teams. Philadelphia Eagles wanted to hire Mike Kafka, who played for them uh, for a short time in his career. Uh, wanted to hire him as offensive coordinator and the Chiefs, even though he was only a quarterback coach at the time, blocked blocked him, wouldn't let him interview, thought that highly of him. He was at one time a rising star. And I say that because, well, let me get back to my list and then we're going to come around and tie in that thought that I promised you at the top of the show. Here's the rest of my list. Uh, Dan Quinn moves down slightly to four and Raheem Morris at five. And then I've got a couple honorable mentions because it was really close. I could have gone seven or eight on this list. It's hard to separate these guys. There is a lot to like about both Quinn and Morris in the sense that I think they would come with a pretty strong idea of who their staff would be. And there are some inch, some very intriguing possibilities. Dan Quinn, you're talking about, well, who's going to run the offense? And the defense is going to have to hire a coordinator, right? But on offense, he has worked with some really intriguing coordinators. I think I've talked about it already in the show, but Kellen Moore would be the first name that I would hope would come with him. You can say he didn't do a great job with the Chargers this year, but again, Justin Herbert played hurt the whole year, missed some time, missed the last few games at the end of the year, and yet they were able to get a pretty serviceable performance from Easton Stick. And then you look at his offenses in Dallas for three years and they were top five. And he was considered one of the hot, sharp, smart, young minds in the league. I think Mike McCarthy got rid of him because of ego. You know, said some stuff about how he wasn't running the football enough, but how'd that, how'd that Dallas running game look this year? Huh? 
No, it was all about Dak Prescott and CeeDee Lamb and and those weapons, Jake Ferguson. And, uh, I think it was just ego. He was the kid who was getting too much credit. Uh, and then Raheem Morris, if you were to be the guy, first of all, I've got Morris on this list where I didn't on my first list just because, I mean, people rave about him. His defense is really historically haven't been great, although the work he did with that young, young, young roster around Aaron Donald this year, one that most of us thought wasn't going to be very good, actually was, was very commendable. But his his energy, his presence behind the podium, how much players love him, and also, again, some of his connections on offense. There are some dudes working under Sean McVay right now, which traditionally has been a pretty good thing for your resume, um, that are enticing. You know, Mike LaFleur is his offensive coordinator. And LaFleur is a guy that three years ago, again, he and Mike McDaniel coming from that Shanahan tree in San Francisco were two of the hottest names for young coordinators to get jobs that offseason. McDaniel went straight to being a head coach. LaFleur goes to New York, has a terrible rookie quarterback, was, was Zach Wilson, and gets fired. Becomes a scapegoat. But, but was, again, one of the rising stars Two years ago, three years ago, uh, a guy that McVeigh trusts to the point that in week 18, I believe it was this year, let him call the plays. Um, don't give up on Mike LaFleur. I think there's still a great offensive coordinator potentially in there. Is that a guy that Morris would want to bring with him? Or Zach Robinson, who has the quarterback coach title there. I think offensive passing game coordinator as well. He's getting tons of interviews around the league right now for offensive coordinator positions. Could it be Zach Robinson? There's always someone coming out of that McVeigh family, right? Honorable mention. Uh, some guys you might wonder why I'm not naming. Um, Bobby Slowick, I just can't figure out. I, I don't know. Again, we all think we know, <laughs> but we don't. It's um, It's one year. They didn't run the ball well. He's so hard to gauge personality-wise. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm just not sure. I think if you hire Bobby Slowick and, and friend of the show and personal friend Michael Thompson from 12th Man Rising is uh, firmly on the Bobby Slowick train and... Uh, toss the idea to me today of, of pairing him with a veteran defensive coordinator, specifically Ron Rivera, someone that I um, opined on Twitter after he was fired in Washington would be a good candidate to do that. Even if, if Pete had stayed provided they were going to pressure him strongly suggest that he bring in, uh, an autonomous defensive coordinator, which there's some reporting that that was discussed in those meetings before he was let go. I uh, wasn't sure if he wanted to coach again, but now he is uh, reportedly being targeted by the Eagles and, and, and is interested in continuing coaching. Someone like that, right? Like 
when Sean McVay was hired at such a young age with the Rams, he, you know, the story goes that he was in the interview with Les Snead and called Wade Phillips on his phone and said, here's my DC. He's going to come with me. Wanted that veteran presence in the locker room. I think you'd have to do that with Slowick. And then Ajiro Aviro continues to be part of this process, is getting a second interview. There is the Scott Fitterer connection. And the way people rave about this guy, just how good of a teacher he is and how he's produced a couple good defenses on bad teams. Um, so that's my list. And I had promised a little context on my Mike Kafka ranking before I finish up. And it's this, because I, I just have a gut feeling as I watch interviews with Kafka and even watched a video that, you know, our old friend, Maddie Brown of the Seattle Overload podcast did a breakdown a year ago about what a brilliant play caller, um, Mike Kafka appeared to be that some of you might look at his resume. You might look at what he's doing with the giants and be unimpressed and even look at his Kansas city experience and think, well, he, he but he wasn't the guy. Andy Reid calls plays, the enemy's coordinating the offense. He shouldn't get too much credit for that. I'm going to give you um, a couple of resumes here. Um, how about one guy candidate a was an offensive coordinator for one season but didn't call plays. Then the next season went to another team, had the OC title, called plays, and his offense finished 25th in the NFL in yards per game and 27th in points per game. That's candidate A. Candidate B had one season, uh, partial season, where he was promoted to offensive coordinator to call plays when the Incumbent guy was fired, called plays for five games. During those five games, their team averaged 17 points per game. And then he spent a year in college as an OC and then was a quarterback coach with another team and didn't have any say in calling plays. Candidate A was Matt LaFleur. Candidate B, Zach Taylor. So if the Seahawks announce a hiring tomorrow, if they announce it's Bobby Slowick, or Mike Kafka. And you think, <laughs> they've shown us nothing. Neither did Matt LaFleur or Zach Taylor. This is all about vision and how bright you are, how you can lead men, how you can impress in interviews, how you can lay out a plan. It's not always about resume. If it was resume... Why is Eric Bieniemy not getting any interviews any longer? Something about that guy that's turned teams off. He's not even getting a shot this year. Just wanted to throw that out there um, in the event that it is one of those guys. Because I'm I'm coming off a of Slowick. Obviously, he's dropped off my top five. And I'm on to Kafka. Just a gut feeling. I just kind of feel like he could be Zach Taylor. Because here's the other thing about Lafleur and Taylor. When you look, you know, they've gotten a little bit more commanding as they've gotten wiser and more experienced. But man, they sure didn't, they didn't win their press conferences. They didn't blow you away with their dynamic personalities. 
the way McVeigh did when he was hired or the way Campbell did. You're talking about biting kneecaps, right? It's not always about personality. I've had to remind myself of that. Watch uh, a Kyle Shanahan interview. Snoozer. Snoozer. So just some stuff uh, to keep in mind. And then um, I have another thought that some information that I just discovered in the last couple of hours that has led me to a significant dark horse in this race that might be coming around the turn and making up ground and coming on fast based on some insider information. So stay tuned for that. You're going to get two shows today. In the meantime, please subscribe to the channel. Hit that like button on whichever platform uh, you listen to or watch. And follow me on Twitter, at Seahawks Forever, and uh, get in the discussion. This is uh, fascinating stuff. I really hope taking a little vacation this coming weekend from the 28th through the 31st. I'll be in Arizona for four days. Uh, I'm quite sure that's when the Seahawks are going to announce <laughs> that uh, they've hired a head coach. So I'll be bringing my laptop, maybe reporting to you from Sedona, Arizona on my thoughts on the, on the uh, Seahawks coaches hire. But until then, uh, thanks for supporting the show and watching and listening. I am Dan Viennes. Forever and always, go Hawks. Go Hawks.